So Caliban, you finally show your face. Just in time for me to blow it off. It's fitting you chose to hide in this abandoned movie theater, Mika and Hana, because for you, the show's over. Big talk, but soon you'll be as dead as all the well-loved celebrities we lost this year. When I'm done, they'll be cleaning you off the walls like COVID-19. Wait, where's your face mask? I, th- I thought we were going to fight outside. Oh, come on! I mean, if the, if the murder hornets aren't out there still. Take this! If you want to watch HBO Max on my phone? I'll start cooking some beans in this old boot. Just Enough Trope. News, reviews, and apocalyptic views every Monday on the Just Enough Trope Network. Won't the 5G kill us? Shh! I want to jump, but I'm afraid I'll There just isn't any intro. There is no intro to even throw to. No, there is none. Throw to the outro. Yeah, sure. That's to tell people, thanks for listening. Right. Keep them on their toes. Right. Start of the show. Yes, that is what we're doing. I'm keeping myself on my toes as well. I think I know half the reason there's no intro. Uh, so hey, you, uh, we need to get right into it because we have a lot to talk about, we and do. you um, won or lost the toss, depending on how you won. look at it. That's how we look at it. I won. Okay, we're gonna look at it that Thank way. You very much. And so we'll talk about your pick first. Yes. And your pick is a doozy. It is. Uh, my pick is the movie The Crow. <laughs> Before we talk about The Crow, no, 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 actually, we'll just do the, the stuff first. So, okay. uh, The Crow, 1994, uh, yes. starring Brandon Lee, yes. uh, the, the movie that he was tragically killed while making, yes. uh, directed by Alex Proyas, who, that's a weird, it's a weird guy. Yeah? Yeah, we'll talk about him later. Okay. Um, and, um, do we do right to go to my thing? Yeah, let's go to your thing. <laughs> let's do a, we'll do a synopsis. We remember how to do the show. How has this been a long we? week? I feel like I haven't even been working that much this week, but it's still been really long. I think we've all been waiting on bated breath oh, yeah. to find out about the, the election thing I, The results. thing I already forgot about. Um, <laughs> Yet you pay more attention to than you claim to. Well, you're not you're not refreshing your phone every ten minutes. Okay, I guess but, we are doing a, a, okay. an intro bit at the beginning. A little bit. Well, it's it's the it's the election that Joe Biden is going to steal from Trump until he steals it back from him using all the arms of the uh, the U.S. judiciary. You really think that's going to happen? Well, I know that uh, Pennsylvania is uh, separating ballots that arrived after November third from other ballots. Well, I think that's a bunch of BS. Uh huh. I don't think that that's right. Uh, it's not, but when you've got six villains that have black robes, then it doesn't really matter. It's not a political show. Wow, I hadn't heard that. I can't believe that. Well, the state attorney general already was doing that because it's a, they have a Republican let. Well, it's, I don't know if they're. I'm pretty sure it's a Republican majority. That's why it's a battleground state, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were the, the their GOP. Was you know? Ah, we've got to these. But the ballots are going to come after the thing. You got to. That's 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 when it is. It's the third. That's how it works. And so they're like you know putting all these suits in and making a big stink. And so 
you know, the powers that be, the attorney general's office or whoever does elections is like, yeah. all right, well, look, we're going to count. We're going to we're still counting them, but we'll keep them separate. Why? Because let's blindfold that guy and tie his hands behind his back. We're not going to shoot him. We're just going to put him up against this wall. <laughs> it's like, it seems like you're already doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you well, don't want the kid to steal a cookie from the cookie jar and the kid's got the lid above his head and his arms inside the jar, seems like a prime cookie stealing position. Yeah. Well, what I want to know is, like, um, what did the state say um, prior to the election? Did they say they were going to I don't know what their laws are. It's 50 50 sets of laws. Nobody knows all the laws. I know. It's not my job. Okay. But it becomes everybody's job, apparently, every four years, because this is just the way it is now. Uh, Let's talk about a young man getting shot to death. Uh, It was only slightly... More depressing than our current political state. Yeah. Only slightly. So, uh, The Crow is a story about Eric Draven, who is a musician and... Um, his name just sounds goth. A real... Is that his real name? And a real fun guy around the house. <laughs> we see that he likes to do all kinds of goofy stuff. Yeah. We're always giggling and tickling each other. And... Uh, Many a tickle fights for him. What if one of those flashbacks was just like raw dog and just head banging against the headboard? We knew that these kids really had something. Wow. But he uh, comes home one night, actually the night before Halloween, to find that uh, four thugs have broken into his uh, beautiful, if impractical, loft apartment and are in the process of raping and murdering his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, Unable to really do anything at all, uh, he is almost immediately shot by the bad guys, thrown out of the window, falls to his death. Mm -hmm. His girlfriend dies in the hospital uh, several hours later. Yes. A year passes, and the world is still crappy in this fake miniature city that is not Gotham City. Right. And uh, out of the grave of Eric Draven comes Eric Draven. Yeah. And a crow is there, and Eric Draven realizes that he has been brought back for a reason Mm -hmm. and given the opportunity to take vengeance on the four men who killed him and his wife, or his soon-to-be wife. Yeah, they're supposed to be married the next day. But it's a little more... What if those four guys work for a voodoo-using crime boss with with a, a voice that sounds like he gargles glass? Yeah, who is dating his... Sister, sister, yeah. sister. <laughs> like, I don't know how they're related, if... but they're related. <laughs> Let's throw that in there. What? <laughs> he hates the laws of God and consanguinity. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, maybe it's going to be a little more complicated than killing five stoners yeah, or maybe. four stoners. And that's the crow. And also, lots of mood. Lots of mood. Dr. Mood. Yes. Uh, and uh... Why'd you want to watch this? I'd, I'd love to know why you wanted to watch this. Because it's iconic, and I've heard, um, you know, it's like an iconic '90s film, and and I've heard so much about it, um, and people, I feel like people talk about it um, fairly frequently. Maybe I just feel that way. Maybe I just feel like because I grew up on the '90s and I'd never seen it before that I was really missing out on something. Um, I don't know. I just thought like, what is going on here? What is going on with this movie? It's weird. Um, it seems like it could be cool. Um, the star tragically died while making the film, which is awful. But mm-hmm. that isn't why I wanted to watch the film. I think I just felt like I missed out on something. And I, I wanted to rectify that. And now? Well, now it's rectified. And 
Uh, now I've seen the crow, and <laughs> I don't feel like I really miss him. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so I, the movie I, I liked picked, Ernie oh, Hudson. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How many? How many Ghostbusters? I just expect halfway. Ernie Hudson plays the kindly uh, cop, a former detective. Yeah. Uh, busted down to beat cop for having too much tood. Yeah. Uh, to the guy from the TNG episode where the thing is hunting them. Uh, the thing is hunting them? The Arsenal of Freedom. It's first season TNG episode. They go to this planet and the whole thing is that the... <coughs> the race that used to live on this planet... Yeah. <coughs> went full 80s late stage capitalism... Okay. And they all killed each other with their super weapons, but also they were selling the weapons. And so all the kiosks that still made the weapons worked. Okay. And so the Enterprise is confronted by this salesman played by Vincent Ciavelli, who's trying to sell them. And he's like, I'll show you how great it works. And like, no, no, no. Like the way that he's going to show them is it's going to hunt them down through the jungle. Oh, okay. But the first thing that they encounter is an Enterprise captain played by the actor that plays the the captain uh, of police in uh, The Crow. Okay, sure. And he's like... Hey, Will and, and and Riker's like, what's this guy doing here? Like, there's I know that I know that his ship is on the other side of the galaxy right uh-huh. now, so Will doesn't fall for it, and then he starts saying like, oh, tell me about your ship. Oh, it's the Lollipop. It's a good ship. He keep, tries to screw up this <laughs> computer, and not give him any information. And uh-huh. so, yeah, okay. Back to the crow. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Ernie Hudson. Yeah, I keep expecting him to like break into you know a, a monologue from uh, Ghostbusters. You know, like. I know. Uh, you don't believe in Eric Draymond? I've seen things that'll turn you white. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy Ernie Hudson. You read the Bible? I yeah. Well, I do. I love Jesus' style, man. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was he in more stuff. I feel like I haven't seen yeah, he's him been in stuff. that much. Okay, I just wish he was in more things. The much maligned Ernie Hudson. Oh. Although uh, you know, he's got a history. Got a history with the old Twin Cities. He does. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was the guy that, it's not his fault, it's not Uh-oh. his fault, and honestly, I agree with him, but uh, he was the guy who, uh, I think I know what you're say. yeah, lost, uh, it wasn't a case, but he lost the effort to unionize the TRP, and then TRP went another 50 years not paying anybody, and they, tra- yep. and I watched a, I tried to watch a documentary about TRP, and like 20 minutes of it was just everybody talking about how it's so important that they don't pay it. It's really, it's good. It's growth. And, and just everybody trying to justify not paying, not paying people. And I just, are you to, freaking to, kidding me? I had me? to turn it off. Yeah. I would throw something at the TV. Well, if I, I was, saw that. it was my very expensive computer. So I didn't do that. Yeah. I can I throw would... the computer at the TV. There you go. So, um, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore, but the point is, Pro. is that it is based <laughs> on a comic book by a guy named James O'Barr. If you don't know that name, it's because he did the crow and he did some other stuff. And I'm not saying he's done nothing else with his life. This is just kind of the extent of what he did in comics. Um, and he began writing it. First of all, big Cure fan. Uh, <laughs> he began writing it um, as a form of uh, like art therapy because his girlfriend was killed in a drunk driving accident. Oh, my gosh. Um, not caused by him, I'm assuming. Thank- thankfully, yeah. And he thought that like... And the original work is kind of like this. There's some things that are taken directly from it, but it has a very different tone. Okay. Um, there are these scenes of like blinding violence, which is really popular in like the early and mid '90s. Like mm-hmm. the Mask, the Crow. A lot of these indie comics were like latching onto comics code. F that. Yeah. Right. And um, and then it would be intercut with 
uh, just like pinups of you know Eric Draven, these sort of like sexy pinups <laughs> and like poetry, like Emmy, Emily Dickinson poems and like that's, and and pure lyrics and stuff yeah, like right. that. And so I don't know. Back then, it was like, oh man, this is so cool. And you read it today, you're like, what? What is this? What is this? Yeah. Okay. So they took a lot of that out and just made him a cool musician in this. And so he, th- those sequences, I think, are represented by him noodling on the guitar. You know, in between murders. Right. But um, as uh, Obar wrote this, he found that it didn't help at all. Really? And every, like, page and every chapter he got deeper into it, he, he that's where the violence came from. He just, his anger started to come out over what happened and, you know, the things became more brutal and, and sort of violent. The, the thing with the guy and they're going to capture the crow and, you know, and they're going to, 30 hours of pain and suffering, like, uh-huh. none, none of that's, that's not there. Oh, okay. No, it's a very simple story. He just kills these guys and then he just goes back in the ground and it's Well, I was it. wondering, too, like, with the comic, I don't know how long it ran, but I would think... It's just a graphic novel, you'd call it now, but oh. back then, you know, it was a miniseries or whatever. Okay, okay. Because I was going to say, like, if you just have him, like, take vengeance on these guys, like, that's... That's it. And then he just goes back in the grave. And then what I don't understand how is there, there's at least a, there's a sequel to this, right? Like There another... are many sequels to this and a TV show. How is there a TV and show? And they've talked. I think it's stalled again, but on and off, they've been trying to reboot it uh, again. Okay. I don't, I just, I don't know. I love comics. I like the idea of this. I just don't know that it's really that strong and it seems so very 90s to me. So I would be, I guess, intrigued to see how they would change it and try to like update it. Well, I didn't really watch the TV show. Okay. I think it was Mark Dacascos, the uh, nephew of the Iron Iron Chef. Oh, Um, (laughs) He always gets pulled into these these, like uh, syndicated uh, adaptations of things. Um, But... You know, it's what is it? It's either literally a story that it's written by a guy who was inspired by the real life death of his girlfriend. It's a it's a tone poem, you know, and and it's and the blinding violence is, you know, is expressive of his emotions. And that's all it is. And we put it on a shelf and we go, huh, or we got to turn this bitch out. Right. Right. And so I think that's horrible. But since it's going to happen anyway. Yeah, how do we fix it? And I think a show is the best way to go. So mm. he becomes a, a 60s TV hero, an Incredible Hulk. Who uh, goes from town to town. A fugitive, yeah. Correcting, uh, correcting wrongs. Yeah, a millionaire who... Acting vengeance. Yeah, and the stories become more about the people that he meets and less okay. about... Because he's invulnerable, he can't die. It's like, who cares? Like, he's not... He's not even... In the movie, he's not even vulnerable until the end. Yeah, which they hurt o- the crow. Which is tacked on... And as a confrontation just to make it – justify its existence as an action movie and only happens because it's like Quantum Leap. It's like, okay, Al, I'm ready to jump. I did what I had to do. Uh, no, Sam, what you have to do is have a dumb, protracted 10-minute action sequence yeah. at the end. Yeah. Why doesn't he just like disappear once he's killed the last guy? That was his whole purpose. I don't know because we have to then – like he has to check in with Ernie Hudson who he's let get shot to heck. The, the whole purpose is – the fact that the the added on characters who are added yeah. on so there can be an ending yeah. now know about the girl and about Ernie and, and the crow. Yeah. And so if he does leave now, they'll just roll in once he's dead again and kill yeah. the girl and the guy. So it 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 
gives birth to itself. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like a snake throwing up on its own tail. Yeah. Write that down. Um, have we talked about the girl? We haven't talked about it at all. Sarah? <laughs> uh, She's terrible. Y- yeah, I'm uh, sorry. I, I, was, I, I wanted to look up if, and see if like she turned into anybody, but I'm afraid to look because... I'd, I'd feel bad for that person because yeah. she's just not good. She's not good. Oh, she has no w- a Wikipedia page, so clearly this is the only thing she ever did. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. I, well, I didn't understand his connection to um, – uh, Draven's connection to the cop. Like, how did he know he had investigated his case? Like, he – like it, I didn't get the sense that they knew each other before Draven had died. No, and yet Draven knew exactly who he was. No, how did he know that? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, um, that was one thing that really stuck out. Let's talk about Alex Proyas. This is one of his first movies. Um, I think it's his first American movie, his first Hollywood movie. Okay, um, he did this, which. Wasn't good for anybody. The movie underperformed. Um, obviously, it killed its star. Didn't uh, you say like one of the stunt ladies died? No, or... no, no, I, no. That was I was not right about that. Oh, okay. Um, the um, I was thinking of a different film. Oh, okay. uh, there's um, it's dedicated to Brandon and Eliza, who was his uh, fiance at the time. They were uh, engaged oh. to be married uh, two months after the wrap of the film. So. <gasps> And the only thing that the movie ever really did for anybody is it tightened uh, standards on gun safety on set. And so here's how he died. We know now, but I remember in 1993 when we were waiting for this film to come out. Yeah. And apparently there's stuff that was unshot. And so some of the first CGI, like, you know, face replacement, uh, Nick Fury technology was ever used on this film to finish the movie with a stuntman. Wow. uh, With his face. Um, but anyway, um, so they have guns, right? Yeah, <laughs> Here's the yes. guns. Guns shoot blanks. Sometimes uh, if you got good guns, it's not even ballistic. But these were apparently real guns, but with blanks. And they had like dummy bullets as well to put in the gun. So no powder, can't fire. But apparently like one of the dummy bullets got into the barrel of the gun. Okay. So... Then for the take where they're going to use live, by live I mean just, you know. They're going to shoot They're going to go off, but not like, you know, rounds. Yeah. Um, they're going to use blanks. Um, and this had, this had happened, the gun had laid over a break, like dormant for two weeks. So over two weeks, nobody checked this thing. Oh, my god! And the day of the shoot, they were trying to save money, so they sent the firearm safety guy home early. There's just like, you could go, to, there's like 12, 12 reasons why Brandon Lee should be alive and making B movies today. But anyway, so they set up this that shot. Is horrible. Plus, why is he in the shot? I guess you have to see his face or something? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. But okay, but this is what's crazy about it. So Brandon Lee was shot, and he was shot because the blank went off, but the blank had enough propulsion, um, enough powder to blow the fake bullet out through the barrel, which shot Brandon Lee. And it didn't like it wasn't the full force of a bullet, but it still it hit him in a artery, and that was pretty much it. <gasps> goodness yeah who, who shot him michael massey fun boy the actor who by the way i would feel horrible it doesn't look great here he's always been cast as like uh it's a kind of you know strung out kind of guy but you see him in like seven like five six years later uh-huh. and he looks terrible yeah and i'd imagine that he would feel terrible although it's not his fault no but 
I don't know how wide or big this shot is that you need like the actor and the actor who's supposed to shoot him there. Like you don't, we right. don't shoot action like that, right? You I just didn't think so. Yeah, but anyway, so that's what happened. Wow. Now let's talk about the film. <laughs> Alex <laughs> Proyas loves these dark uh, movies. He loves uh, miniature cities. His next movie after this was Dark City, which was another underperforming movie, but was uh, well loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote and directed that. And then now he just makes like ambitious garbage. You know, he makes, um, I think his last big movie was I, Robot. He made Knowing. Remember Knowing? Oh, I remember Knowing. <laughs> knowing is not very good. And he made Gods of Egypt. And okay, yeah. uh, right. he, so it's just not. I do recognize the name. I yeah, just I mean, remember. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the guy's got, you know, he's, he's a, he started in TV commercials. Okay. So, you know, he's got that kind of aesthetic, and some people are David Fincher's, and some people are just uh, Alex Proyas's, but right. he had some cool sci-fi ideas. Yeah. Um, Batman is all over this, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, yes. Just a Except, few years earlier. like, I mean, I could even imagine Batman saying some of these lines, although I think... I think he's like Batman on a really bad day. <laughs> You know what I mean? It can't like, rain all the time. Right. Like he's he's like he's like Batman on like a bad trip remembering very vividly his parents' deaths or something like that and like taking it out on on everybody. I think his girlfriend wears a pearl necklace at one point, doesn't she? She might. She might. <laughs> one of the flashbacks. Well, I just kind of thought it was taking it I didn't understand. Obviously he wants to find these guys and he's decided he's going to kill them. That's how he's going to get his vengeance, right? Yeah. He kills the I can't remember all their names. He kills the 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 gang member who's black first, which ha- I was happy, kinda happy happy man. I can't remember. Then but I was wing, like wing. we have to kill the black guy first, but I mean of course we're all gonna die, so it doesn't really anyways. But then he goes to the pawn shop owner, who clearly is not a great guy, is a criminal, but did not was not involved in the rape or murder of his uh, fiance. At all, classic uh, John uh, John Polito, classic yeah. that guy actor. Yeah, he's, he's giving great. me the hi hat. Wait, but like he goes in, terrorizes him. I mean, okay, he wants the wedding ring. Okay, all right, and then these rings. I get it a little bit. Like every single one of these rings is is a symbol of like the people whose lives you you ruin. Even though a minute before you were just throwing them away while you were looking for that's yours. true. Yeah. Good point. There's a big thing here about like oh the. The pain and suffering that brought me back from the other side that I felt because you, because I saw you assault and I guess assume kill uh, one person, yeah. uh, but now I'm going to kill four people. Right. And the movie never explores no. that. No. You know, something Batman would say is, when you kill a murderer, the number of murderers in the world stay the same. Yes. Which To which the Punisher would say, kill two. <laughs> Hell, kill 20. Right. Let's fix this deficit. I know. But then, like, he's, like, pouring gasoline all over his shop and stuff like that. And he was like, if you're trying to say that. I'm going to let him live. If you're trying to say that. Yeah. And a bird that can find anybody, but I need to go to a pawn shop guy. If you're trying to say that that was all manufactured just to have him shoot rings out of a shotgun, you're absolutely right. Let's start it. Let's manufacture a scene for a, a second of symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I just didn't. I, I felt like that was an extreme thing to do. If you're just, if you literally, I have I, this is 
I have a limited amount of time. Well, I don't know if he did or not, but like my my goal is to kill these guys who raped and, and murdered my fiance. Let's do this. I'm going to terrorize this pawn shop guy. Here's some rings. Blam. You know, it's just, I mean, <laughs> it looks cool, but I'm like, why are we doing this? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Wencott's in this as the boss, Top Dollar. Mm-hmm. That sounds familiar. That's such a dumb name. I think he was in the book. There might be a little extra stuff beyond the four guys in the book, but I know it doesn't, they don't fight on top of a church. I don't <laughs> think. It's been a while since I've read it. Um, He was real hot in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. What happened to him? I don't know. He went to Juilliard, but I don't think really? I've ever seen him act. He's really just cruising on that voice, isn't he? Well, when you've got a voice why a like spoon, that. cousin? Why not an axe or a sword? You know? <laughs> That's pretty much all... Does he do voiceover work? He really, he really should. Right? Um, when you have a, such a strong voice like that, you really should do voiceover work. Mm, I'll take that advice. <laughs> but yeah, he is just the... He's weird. I think that something interesting, yeah. the idea of... Okay, so, you know, he's buried in a in a churchyard... Uh, under a cross, but we get the idea that that's not necessarily the power at play, or not the only power at play here. Right. And so you've got the crime boss, who we never really dig into, but he's got a kicking club downstairs. Yeah. And, but he's like... The pit, or whatever. He's into voodoo, and maybe his father was like some kind of like magician, or, or a sorcerer, or something, and so he's reaching into some kind of thing. But as a character... He doesn't really represent that at all. It's all put on his exotic Asian sister wife. Which was weird. And her whole thing was obsession with eyes. And then she gets her eyes pecked out, which was like, okay, that's poetic justice. But like maybe actually. No, that's just something that they set up. That's a dumb thing, right? Maybe maybe actually give her a character and then she'd be actually more fully realized. Maybe just cut her because she's dumb. Or, Or that. Style. There's a lot of style in this. It's it's style. That's what matters. Yeah. Well, I just, I kept looking for like, oh, there's going to be a connection here and this is going to be, no. Like the whole reason, like, um, <laughs> yeah, the guys <laughs> like decide to rape and murder um, Shelly is because um, she was, they were trying to kick people out of the building or, you know, and stuff like that. And she was trying well, to stop it. I was thinking about, yeah, go ahead. And I, you know, we saw this picture of Draven and his band. And I thought, <laughs> I thought there was going to be more with the band. We were going to see flashbacks with his bandmates or something like that. No. And like one of the four guys was going to be in the band or the boss guy, the guy who the voice like broken glass was going to be in the band and like like they had broken up or something like that and he he was mad at Draven so he was going to get back to him by raping and murdering his fiance or something like that. No. Uh and that wasn't <clears throat> No, and that's so. there this movie is, is so obsessed with um <laughs> so so thank God the Matrix fixed this, right? Because this is all like this is trench coats and like two guns and trying yeah. to use those Hong Kong influences, and people are just like, "What? No, this is goofy." But five years later, the Matrix is like, I know. "No, like this," and people are like, "Oh, great. oh, yes, yeah." 
You you know what you need? And, uh, you need a LeVar Burton uh, meme of, like, uh, the crow. No. I and think then it's the self-evident. Matrix. Anyway. Okay. Uh, but the, the thing about this movie is that they're just so obsessed with these juvenile thrills of we could do this. Now this is de rigueur. Every movie has this. Romantic comedies have this now, you know. Yeah. But they forgot to put anything else in there. And they're so close to stuff. Like, we're talking yes. about – property we're talking about people being evicted we're talking yes. about a crime boss that wants to like go corporate or or is um reacting to the fact that uh the the night of chaos devil's night that he yes. created has become corporatized and he wants to throw that mantle off there's there's a lot of issues that are like still exist today yes we're and actually we have, talking about right now yes and, and we, we have a young teen whose mother is that a, has nothing to do with what i'm saying yeah, so let right. me finish my point okay. why, why are you doing that mm, sorry let's make this a good show what's yes give me your young teen comment i i just was saying they could have done more with that too what does that have to sorry. do with what's in the headlines right now it, it doesn't okay I'm thank sorry. you so anyway uh and i that was really working for me but then i realized that the movie was like not aware that it was even doing it and it was just like okay who cares like it was just set dressing yeah because everything was grimy and 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 dirty and let's shoot we're gonna do bullet shooters i'm gonna put a bullet in my mouth and then wash it down with a shot it's like all right asshole try a rifle bullet (laughs) (laughs) if you're real if you're real tough (coughs) let that come out sideways um i think they cut a lot of stuff after lee died a lot of the violence seems um, truncated. Like they, they go the, to the uh, length of having him, maybe this is original in 94, but having the bad guy fall off the church and then land on a spike and then his blood is like gushing out of the mouth of a gargoyle. Like you set all that up. Yeah. And there's like six frames of it. Before no, you're we right. Cut, before we cut away. Right. You, you would think you would pull out. And, and I think they cut a lot of the stuff out after Lee died. And it's like, you guys made a movie all about death and violence. And violence. I don't know what you, there's, you can't cut anything out, right? I don't know. No, no, you can't. Um, It's kind of like the mask. It's kind of like Ghost Rider. Yeah. He's like a spirit of vengeance. Yeah. He doesn't do any kung fu, which is ridiculous because he's Brandon or uh, Bruce Lee's kid. Why did I not know that? Brandon Lee. Why did I not know that? That's why it's double tragic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, in a couple of years, Dragon would come out. Wow. Uh, um, which doesn't have Brandon Lee in it because he's dead. Oh, my gosh. That's really depressing. Um <laughs> This is really random. How is his cat alive, like, a year later? I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to talk about important stuff, but, right. yeah, I think the cat probably just has has totally done some bad things. A cat's, a cat's got it rough, too. <laughs> Seen some things. I like how, like, he goes to the building and, like, is the whole building, like, nobody's living there anymore like there's like police tape and they've just let everything nobody's fixed the window so it's just random observations i get sorry how is tony todd in this and he doesn't have like a big the candy man is in this and Mm -hmm. he doesn't have like a showdown with the crow like we have to have fencing boy in riding pants (laughs) to fight fight the crow at the end i know you got hulking tony todd in this thing nothing I, i that's a good question i got nothing um I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much. Yeah, dying and coming back gives you mad MMA skills. We have learned that like, and super strength. 
like he and the ability to suck heroin out of people. <laughs> I right, right. And, that was the one and, like, sort of redeeming kind too. of thing in this, where they're like, could he be a healing force? Is he just a spirit yeah. of vengeance? Right. And I say, don't muddy it. Just make him a spirit of vengeance. Make him hurt, right? Because he's sh- he's hurting people by killing somebody. Loves skank. Skank yeah. has a mother. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, let's go to my movie. Okay. My movie is Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story. Yes. One of my favorite films, picked specifically because, like you said, we need we need this time. <laughs> I need to pick me up. We need this. Yeah. This week. Yes. The 2007 film. Written by Jake Kasdan and Judd Apatow Mm -hmm. and directed by Jake Kasdan. Yes. Um, What happens in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? Jeez, I'll try to summarize as best I can. Do your best. Um, So, all right. Uh, so Dewey, Dewey Cox, it starts at the very beginning when he's a little kid and him and his brother are playing. No, 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 no. Jeez. No. That's the first scene. You literally did. Okay. It's about it, his In fact, entire... you should have said, it starts at, we're backstage at a concert and it seems like there's a lot of people out there and there's a man with his hand on the wall. Big and hot, I got to think about her whole life before she recaps Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Please stop it. It's his entire life. It's a music biopic, but it's like a goof on a music biopic. And he's, uh, it, it, it starts in the um, 40s or 50s when he's a little kid, uh, probably. And uh, he accidentally kills his brother with a machete, with <laughs> a machete fight. <laughs> it's funny like, it sounds. Uh, yeah, it, it's actually a very funny film. Um, and he feels horrible for that. And his brother tells him he has to be double good or, you know, for. For both of them, he has to be really awesome. Um, and uh, he really takes that to heart. And um, it's about him getting a start in the the, uh, the music business. And uh, he gets a big break when... Uh, he gets a big break. Uh, he starts recording stuff. Um, he does all these different genres. Um, he's... Married a couple of times, divorced a couple of times, has tons of kids, does a lot of drugs, get up, gets off of drugs. Um, it's his entire life, and it, it's very musical, but it's funny. There's lots of jokes. It's a good time. It is. It's a biopic for a fake musician that never existed. Yes. But somehow existed, you know, in, in, in our world, you know, in between all the other uh, greats. Right. But they were uh he was someone that the other greats had to look up to and Right. So, you, know, you can almost imagine that Thanos like first snap was like get rid of Dewey Cox. <laughs> we all forgot that Dewey Cox ever existed. Uh... Um everybody's got their movie that's just like uh, it's the it's the thing that they're an evangelist for. They'll make everybody watch. They'll never stop singing the praises of. I know that's clueless for you. You're lucky because everybody loves clueless. Mine is walk hard, and I gotta say, it's a hard walk. <laughs> no one saw this movie. The people that did hated it, and I've puzzled for years as to why that is. I will say it's not the funniest movie in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one to watch is the two-hour director's cut version, which we watch for this. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever seen the theatrical version because I, I missed I it in either. the theater. Yeah, and almost immediately they shot it out on DVD to get to just to make some money. And had the director's cut, and so I've only ever seen the director's cut. I'll admit, 
I think this is the first time I ever watched it and thought, it's a little long. It's a little long. Mm. But the nature of what they're trying to do, which is put a stake in the heart of the biopic forever, uh, requires them to – because when you think about it, this is like a skewering of every popular – first of all, every biopic Mm -hmm. of its time for sure, but also just the idea of the story of the the, the, – motivational, inspiring story of somebody yeah. who goes from uh, riches or rags to riches. Yeah. And then riches to rags. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it for it was successful for a while. It killed it for a while. But there were a dearth of sort of music biopics for a while. Mm-hmm. But then they shot right back. And we've got, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody or yeah. whatever. But now modern biopics take the shape of Walk Hard. You think? I haven't seen Rocket Man, but... How does Bohemian Rhapsody start? It starts no, at, right. li- at Live Aid. Yeah. And then we go back yeah. to like, you know, Freddie Mercury got to think about his whole life. Before he- <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Mercury got to th- <laughs> think about every uh, dude he slept with uh, before he could perform. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, And so I think it was a little too – I think people didn't want to hear that. Because also, Walk the yes. Line had like just come out. I was going to say, I think people really, really, really I think loved it was too good at what it did. I think so, too. It also starred somebody who would later become, uh, not necessarily an A-lister, but more familiar to audiences, and they want to see in John C. Riley. Yeah. And I don't, I think people were maybe, this was the peak of Apatow, and I think they were looking to get off the Apatow train. Oh, you think so? Knocked Out came up this year. No, Knocked Out. Knocked Up. Knocked Out's the sequel. Yeah. Uh, the spousal abuse uh, storyline. Um, Knocked Up came out this year. And that was like the last, I think, untrammeled success of him. After that, it was uh, like funny people. And people were like, all right, Apatow. What, we're starting to get into your tricks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And this yeah. is 40, kind of flopped. And so yeah. I think this was the real first victim of... Um, People being overstuffed with Apatow. But but other than that, like, it has the same kind of lame <laughs> humor. <laughs> You're laughing right now. But I love the lame about humor. It. I know. It has the same lame humor of an Apatow film. And then it f- just flawlessly sets up its premise and then follows its premise the entire way yes. and lets and keeps you up on what's going on the entire way because all the characters say things like this is a very traumatic time in my life right now I you know, know. I is, love how they tell you exactly what is happening what you are watching dude does it look okay to you Dewey, he just used to be so much more happy. That was early Dewey. This is middle Dewey. It's a very <laughs> depressing part of his life. I'm, as a 50-year-old woman. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jenna Fisher, for telling me exactly how old you're supposed to be right, right, right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty great. It, it hits the ground running, and it just doesn't stop, and I just don't know why people don't like it. And the best part is, the whole thing is built around a dick joke. So, oh, my God. So maybe that's the fourth leg of the stool. People are like, okay, great. But it's like, no, you don't get it. That's the that's, that's, that, that's like, the shiny packaging to get you into jokes about Ray. I never knew how much this was based on Ray. Because I, I, I saw Ray either. and went, I'm not going to watch that. It, I, hmm, just guessing here. Just randomly guessing. But does that have a scene where a kid's brother drowns in a wash tub? And it's a funny scene because you can see when you – when a person when a person falls forward on stage and you see the top of their head, 
that's tragedy. When they fall backwards and you see the soles of their yeah, feet, right. that's comedy. And right. a kid's <laughs> drowns in a washtub. And then does the kid go blind because of, of trauma? Yeah. That's not what really happened to Ray Charles, is it? I don't know. Uh, and then later on, does he go in and Bokeem Woodbine's like, get out of here, Ray. You don't want none of this shit. He's like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're shooting heroin. It makes you feel wonderful. It's terrible. <laughs> All what? that really happens in Ray. I don't know if I've actually ever seen Ray now that you're saying that. I, I think I, it's that. probably better that I hadn't seen it because I would have thought, oh, somebody's done this joke already. If I saw Walk Hard. Well, that's one thing I like about this movie, too, like so much is 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 the, the jokes that repeat and yet they don't get they do not get old. They're, they're just all, funnier. They're, I have a, some I wrote some down some examples um, and if you can take one if you want, but uh, go for it. But uh, they I'll have to kind of flip through my notes real fast, but they yes, they set them up so well and it's perfectly structured. Yeah. So um, the everybody's favorite line, you never paid for drugs, right? Yeah. When they're confronting Not him in the Brian once. Wilson era, when they're when confronting yes. him and everybody has a specific thing, they go literally down the line and then we go to <laughs> Tim Meadows and first it's like, you never paid for drugs. Not once. And then they're talking about like the ceramic cats. You give us cats every Christmas. Yes. Your cats are a symbol of nobility in Egypt. Yeah. And you never paid for drugs. Not once. And then they, you slept with my wife. And then the other person does that. And then he says, and they go to him and he actually waits a little bit. Like he's going to say something different. And he's like, and not once did you pay for drugs. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's just perfectly set up. It, it is. Or the joke that makes me cry laughing every time. It's just the dumbest joke in the world. But I know. They set it up in the first act. He's talking about the temptations of going on the road. And then they drop it. And it's dead for like an hour. They, nothing happens until we get back to the end. And we're talking about all the things that he's done in his life. And that's why you don't use... Quaaludes and and water sports or whatever, and then he's like, "Oh, I don't want to have the temptations of the road." And then ten minutes later, we're at the concert, and we hit it one more time because we got to finish up the thing with Sam, where he's like, "What are you doing in here? I'm yeah. taking erectile dysfunction drugs." Yeah, I know, and then it's like an infomercial. <laughs> it gives you a boner. Yeah, I don't want no part of that shit. Yeah, I don't want the temptations. And then he walks out in the hall, my girl. Oh, the temptations. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a joke time bomb. It just you sit on it for an hour. Yeah, yeah. I I had forgotten that they meant he meant said something about the temptations of the road like earlier in the yeah film. yeah. But when but he meets like, Darlene, I guess it's like the start of the second act. Probably. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. It, oh my goodness. Um. <laughs> They're so like you're you're not half the you're not half the boy Nate was. You're not even half of the upper half of the boy that Nate was before you cut him in half. Are you saying I'm at less than a quarter of the boy that Nate was? <laughs> Coming out of a little kid's mouth too. Yeah. Which makes it even funnier. Yeah, that little kid's good. Um <laughs> And it's also got it's you know Wrong it, kid died. <laughs> yeah. Well uh it, it also has like a point and the point is to thumb its nose heavily at biopics, and I think it does that well. Yes. Um, it does it very self-consciously, and one of the things that it does is, you know, it, it does, I mean, the ghost coming back is part, you know, it's it's Lawrence Kasdan's kid, so they're oh. do, it's kind of a Return of the Jedi, like, Star Wars joke. That makes sense, actually. But it's also... That, but it felt very Star that Wars. That last scene when he's looking in the mirror and he's like, have I done it? And then the reflection's like... You, you do be cocks. And then all the ghosts start appearing. Yes. And then ghosts that are other ghosts, like the kid version of himself appears and yeah. his feminine side appears. And and they're all 
giving him these lessons and then he has a sentence that's all the lessons put together and it's like it's so simple now it's just sort of, it's it's making fun of the ridiculousness of being able to wrap up someone's life you know into one into one live aid concert or whatever yeah, it is right and then right. even and then instead of just okay we're done it goes out and you have this amazing all the songs are great in this film. They are. Uh, they really are. Yes. If you played them sort of half volume and you couldn't hear the words, you would not know that they're joke songs. But then he comes out and he plays this amazing finale musical number, which is itself, again, a repudiation of that. Because it's a song that's basically like, this is what it means at the end of my life. Here's the lesson. You know. Yes. Traveling, flowers, babies. <laughs> you know, that's like. It's I know. So, it's well, so pathetic, but it's. But it's also, yeah, I don't know. That's and then great. it does one of my favorite things that I, um, a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot. Of, one of my favorite things that I've seen, like, in TV and movies where they, they show you cut scenes that, that you've never seen before. Yes. As if they're, they're flashbacks. In any other movie, that would be, you know, he's... This, remember this? Remember he's putting that? his arm around his brother before he gets cut in half or Yeah, whatever. right. Exactly. Uh, he's meeting Reese Witherspoon for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's giving her the flowers or whatever. Yes. But yeah, it said they cut, like, a... Like a, a 70s TV show, they're cutting to like the, the time that he and <laughs> the other guy like busted the drug guys on the wharf and he got, you know, his his bassist got shot to death. Yeah, Chris Parnell like yeah. gets shot to death and then we see Chris Parnell and playing cut in to the Chris Parnell, He's like, yeah, yeah, he's playing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like Elvis is talking to him and like he did like some karate chops that we saw he earlier pulls a but knife he pulls on out him. a switchblade. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, they kind of repeat that bit when his dad pulls a was it magnum on him in the in the hallway yes, when a fight. Yeah, but, but it was still good. But it, you know, Jack White does what Jack White wants to do. So what? It's Jack White. Who is Jack White? Elvis. Elvis was Jack White. Yes, this movie is full. Yeah, of... Yeah, I didn't realize that. This okay. movie is full wow. of comedians. Yeah, it's full of uh, of real life music stars playing either themselves or other people. Yes. Um, it's full of uh, 70s. The 70s is the first era that they hit where they could make everybody plausibly look the yes. same age. Yes. So you'll notice that like there wasn't like a lot of like, you know, George Harrison didn't, well, he's dead, obviously. R- Ringo Starr, let's say, <laughs> didn't play himself. But as soon as they hit the 70s, it's like, well, Dallas is Patrick Duffy. Thanks for coming to my party. I know, right? And uh, having Cheryl Ladd and Cheryl Teagues and Morgan Fairchild come out. And so that was pretty good. Um, yes. Yeah, it just like it, – and also it does all that and it sort of – it's a Reader's Digest version, but it encapsulates all the major musical movements of yes. the fi- early to mid-50s up to the, the 70s. And it doesn't bother with the 80s because no, it if you did a sequel, then you could do a flashback to Dewey's time in the 80s sure. and, and 90s um, with uh, you know Kurt Cobain is like, I'm just going to leave this shotgun here, Kurt, and I'm going to go get, oh, get us some more heroin. no. But maybe that's a little too Forrest Gumpy or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and I think su- also supposedly during that time he wasn't writing any music, right? Well, he wasn't writing music. But he could still be performing. He was leaving shotguns around for, <laughs> yeah, for Kurt okay. Cobain to find. All right. But yeah, just the idea that, you know, he uh, – w- I mean, what do we've got? We've got uh, – he starts off, uh, you know, in uh, Bobby Soxon. Um, yes. I don't know if it's supposed to be somebody specific. Um but it's he's 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 in the early, sort of early rock era. Then he. <laughs> then but the he, song kind that's of a, that's another point. What the movie constantly makes the point that white people have stolen all of black people's achievements yeah. in the field of music, and Dewey Cox keeps 
doing it. Yes. And there's because it's a comedy, there is no apology for it except for the huge bag of weed that he gives Sam at the end of the film. But there is no it's not like he goes and yeah. gives one of his gold records to Bobby Shad or anything like that. No, like, no, 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 no. It's just he just lucks into it, you know. He's Bobby Shad is doing his show and Dewey Cox is just sweeping the floor and then he's like I'm. I think I can sing, and that's just the night that the uh, that the guys from the record company happened to be there. Yeah, and so, which by the way, I knew that you know one of them is Harold Ramis, obviously. Uh, I knew that one of them okay. was uh, Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks. I thought it I was never Martin got that Starr. the third one is Phil Rosenthal. Okay, you're gonna have to tell me out who's Phil Rosenthal. Well, yeah, you, you got to feed him. You got to feed him. Yeah, somebody's got to. Somebody, uh... Somebody's feed Phil. Uh, what? <laughs> yes, he's a, the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond and other things. I didn't know he he acted at all. He's a comedian. Okay, all right. Actor. Huh. Wow. He was on no, his own I show. I didn't realize that. I know he does. I mean, he's... He's, that anno- he's the annoying guy that, uh, wasn't he? Or was that another actor? Doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, huh. No, I did not know that. That's interesting. Um... Well, you said there's so many cameos. Um, I do think it's interesting, too. Like you said before, like all the songs in it are good. I, I do good. Think, good. We weren't done. I, I'm not done. I'm not done either. We were doing the thing where we were t- I was talking about all the different people that he was. But I'll get my thoughts oh. together and you make your point. Oh, I was just was going to say that the, the Brian Wilson song, period song, that he, he never <sighs> well, finishes. This is classic you, just jumping to the end. If you had realized oh. that we were going to talk about that and Brian Wilson came at the end of that okay, sequence. Okay, fine. Go why didn't you just stuff. say something to, to like, well, I'm going to hold mine. Cause, uh, I'll hold mine. Because I told you 10 minutes ago to jump in if you heard something. Okay. Anyway. Go ahead. He does a lot of musical styles. Do you think like the 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 50 uh sack Bachman one at the beginning cuz it's like about holding hands was that supposed to be kind of like the Beatles like I want to hold your hand? It was supposed kind to of? It's supposed to be that you know <laughs> the action of the scene is they're at a high school talent show. Mm-hmm. He's 14 year old Dewey Cox, no sense yeah. of smell. Right. And he plays I want to take your hand and I want you to be my sweetheart and every woman stands up and tears their blouse open and a guy punches a priest and it's like that's like what rock and roll does to you and there's a guy throwing up in the front row yeah yeah and so it's supposed to be like the crazy reaction that people have to rock and roll and popular music yeah uh and the exaggeration of it especially at the time people burning rock and roll records you know and uh and things like that it's always good when we burn media that's always a good direction to go in but i don't think it's supposed to be anybody except just like (laughs) i have this theory that maybe i've uh, touted on the main show before but like there are all these songs about about rock yeah like we're gonna rock yeah, uh, I know. Arguably one of the first white rock and roll hits. We're going to rock around the clock. Yeah. And uh, for those about to rock, we salute you. I can't believe how hard we're rocking. Mm-hmm. It's just like the most self-absorbed, self- introspective like, genre so of art ever. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so I don't think it's anybody in particular, but it's just like softcore normie like uh you know white guy 50s rock yeah right early soup they reference glenn campbell a couple times in the movie super early glenn campbell sure and then yeah. later you know that glenn campbell when he's like covering like uh kiss songs or something like that i guess that would be uh sunglasses members only jacket dewey cox okay sure 
But yeah, but he's he's uh, he's uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, when he's uh, doing "Love Your Negro Man." Oh my gosh! <laughs> what I, I I like how that they're so disgusted by it too. Like like the, the all the black people who are in the club, the, the musician who 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 he's performing for. The club owner, right? And but, then, but then they get into it, right? But like all like real life audiences, you know, if you can deliver, that's then it's fine. Okay. So, but yeah. when he, he does, but that's the, that's the great joke because he does the whole show, right? It isn't just that he sings. Oh my god, the bluesy songs. I know. So he's like, "Hi, I'm Dewey Cox. I hope you enjoy the show." Let's see our first number. This is about. <laughs> and people he's are like, like talking like whoa, a guy and doing whoa. his jokes. It's <laughs> yeah. like that is not okay. Yeah, a uh, real life musician and comedic actor, Craig Robinson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, and then you know, and then later on, he's uh, you know, Walk Hard is kind of an early Johnny Cash thing. It's supposed but, to be like Johnny Cash, but he they sure. dress him like Elvis a lot, and his in his hair. His is, hair is, is kind of Elvis-y. Elvis-y. Yeah. 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 And you know, and then he goes on. They they try to slip punk in there. That's the only '80s that we really get. Because he's angry and drunk and doing drugs and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. And, and we get to Middle Dewey, and it's uh, that's uh, that's classic uh, mid period Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Little Roy Orbison thrown in. Sure. Nobody thinks of Roy Orbison as uh, as being a real badass, but no. you know, a lot of his songs are are, are kind of like that. Sure. But then a lot of them are real, real soft, though, too. <laughs> just that guilty as charged number, it gives me a real uh, kind of Roy Orbison vibe. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, and there, then he goes to um, India. Yes. To see the Maharishi. Yeah. And to take LSD with the with Beatles, the Beatles. The full Beatles. Yeah. Which is a great scene. Is it? That scene felt the most epitaph to me. Okay. I Maybe I enjoyed it because of the actors who were playing the Beatles seem like they're having a fun time. Maybe it's not as great as I think it is. Um, I really liked Paul Rudd's uh, John Lennon. Um, guy who dated uh, Drew Barrymore for a while, right? Didn't he? Maybe not. Uh, the kid yes. The kid that plays George Harrison. Yeah. Whose name I can't remember. So yeah. clearly uh, was happy to be there. Dodgeball kid, right? Dodgeball kid. Right? Yeah. What's his name? He was like the main guy that we follow in Dodgeball. That's not... Well, he was the... Well, he's not the main guy. That's... No. um. Wow. I'm bad with names today. Apparently. You're talking about Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Yes. And the kid's name is Justin Long. He's a, that's he's a, it. He's a Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Long. That's it. Yeah. Right. Mac PC. Yes. That as well. Yes. Happy to be here. He yeah. should he should have been Ringo. I just like having fun. <laughs> I liked the peace sign thing. That was good. Um, <laughs> like how the Maharishi was like, "Got Beatles, Beatles, don't fight. Not here in India, you know. Don't, like, don't you know, fight. Like, what? Don't fight in India. Yeah, I know. It's like what? I, I wonder if anybody involved in it said, or anybody they asked said no, because they're like, no, you're making fun of. Rock heroes. You know, at the end, they, they have, uh, it's Lyle Lovett, Jackson Brown, and Jewel are going to sing yeah. Walk Hard. And then Ghostface Killer comes in and does a rap break on Walk Hard. Yeah. And I know Ghostface, uh, Lyle Lovett, and Jackson Brown are, are all in on the joke. Like, there would be down for something like that. I don't really know about Jewel's sense of humor. Maybe she's, like, really funny. I don't know. 
And then Eddie Vedder, who I think is a funny guy, but also is sort of, you know, has stood for so much his whole career to get him to deliver the, the, the speech, you know, that leads Dewey Cox in is like, that's a big get. That is a huge get. And do it, and do it totally straight faced, you yeah. know? Right. What do we think about when we think about Cox? <laughs> the thing about the dick jokes. It comes in waves. It comes in waves. So to speak. But yeah, but it doesn't totally get old. It doesn't. You would think by the end of the movie, you'd be like, all right, eye rolling and stuff like that. But like that They commit part, to it. They, they do. don't point to it. And they don't do it too much. Yes. The three things that Seth MacFarlane doesn't understand. I think there's. I don't know. I just wanted to make. <laughs> I just that. wanted to make fun of Seth. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Um. He's a musician. He probably would have wanted to be I in this. I don't care. Jake Kasdan, uh, I'm sure, was crushed by how hard he clearly worked on this film. Um, hard. And he. I'm trying to sing it. Thank no. you, Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> hey. And. Do that. Um, you know, he still works today. He's just do he does the Jumanji movies. So he'll never do anything like this again. Um he and his dad bad. wrote poorly on Last Jedi. Um so I mean like I don't know what you I don't know how you follow it. Say this is a hit. It's a gigantic hit. What do you do? What does this lead you to? Do you become the new Jed Apatow? We'll never know the answer to that cuz Jay Kazan is just a ham and egger now in in Hollywood. It's too bad because I think this movie is actually incredibly funny and I think that I think that people just weren't ready for it I think you know I think it is what we were talking about before I think because Walk Hard every, it was so I was so everybody loved that movie or Walk the Line now I see I, I need to call it the wrong thing and um, I think it was too soon and, and they just didn't know what to make of it I also think that like we were getting to this is the same year as Talladega Nights, I think. Oh, I freaking love Talladega Nights. <sighs> I it, it's I didn't love it when I first saw it. It's grown on me, but I think people were getting sick of because like I think Talladega Nights was. But the John C. Riley's running around in his underwear a lot in this movie, yeah, and it yeah, made yeah. me think of Will Ferrell. And I think people, I know myself, were starting to kind of get stick sick of the shtick. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I guess not. Um, I also liked all the 70s uh, adaptations of all the popular songs for Dewey Cox's uh, that was fine. Sonny and Cher, uh, Johnny Cash-esque variety show. Yeah, I especially loved the Bowie one. And he's um, like, I ain't trying to, I, I'm, I'm, I left that political stuff behind years ago, you know. I'm, I'm on the beach. I'm not going to march on a beach. Yeah, <laughs> I'm know. not political. Cut immediately to a peppy uh, up version of Billy, Don't Be a Hero. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah, all right. That's, you know, that's smart. Yeah, it, I think it's, it's, a, it's a very smart comedic film. Um, Where a guy saws a couch in half. And yeah. it takes him all day. Yeah, it takes him all day. And then he starts angrily, furiously bending spoons, time lapse to <laughs> later, <laughs> exhaustedly, <so> exhaustedly, <laughs> and kind of angry about having to keep bending these spoons. But he's committed. He's going to bend them all. Well, and I, I, another joke that they set up early on is when he gets angry, obviously he, he destroys stuff, but he pulls sinks out of walls. Yeah, and the... And the the payoff for that is way at the end, too. Yeah, I know. Because it's after uh, his bassist is uh, 
killed in this fantasy. <laughs> he goes into the 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 port a port authority bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> it's, there's just like seven sinks on the wall. I know. <laughs> this is how mad he is. He's seven sinks mad. He's gonna pull each one off the wall. That was fantastic, though. That was so good. Watch this movie. What's wrong with you people? Come yeah, on. Yeah, I know. Just watch it. I, I agree. All right. Well, watch that's it. the show for this week. Uh, stay strong. Stay healthy. Keep doing all the things that you have to do. Uh, don't do nothing about white supremacy, as one of my uh, favorite uh, podcast hosts says. Very nice. Uh, do what you got to do. Mm-hmm.